0: If we do this thing, is it actually going to move us closer to our stated goal and objective? What is the business case for doing it? So that's the first question you got to ask. That's the north star. Now, a lot of people will say, "Oh no, your north star really should be, you know, your company purpose and the vision and your reason why." And I'm not saying that that isn't important. But if something could align perfectly to like your your company purpose and mission, but if there's no business case for it, then you shouldn't do it.
1: How much more successful would you be if you had lunch once a week with insanely successful entrepreneurs who share their biggest secrets on how they think and achieve success? Grab your seat at the table, because this is Business Lunch with Roland Fraser and Ryan Dice. Welcome to another episode of Business Lunch. And today's a snackable episode with Roland where he's going to get into some more tactical strategies that you can start using to live a rich and happy life. If this is the first snackable episode you're hearing, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other episodes that Roland has put out. And if you want to get notified every time we release a new episode, go to the new website and we'll send you detailed notes along with every episode. That's businesslunchpodcast.com, www.businesslunchpodcast.com and you can sign up for the free email newsletter where you'll be able to get all the highlights and resources from the episodes. Hey everybody, Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice here with another episode of Business Lunch, and um, we're back from uh, from the New Year. This is our first one that we are recording after the New Year. Ryan, how was your uh, how's your New Year starting out for you? It was uh,
0: it was great. It is great to be back. It's always nice to take um, extended breaks. I don't know about you though. The holidays for me are freaking exhausting. They're <laughs> so exhausting. It's like waves of family crashing on my home um and it just i love them all it is so nice when everybody's
1: gone and i can just get back to normal so it is it was great I, exhausting I really, what about you i i am uh i have uh less family because uh because of the non-four kids part um so that like <laughs> that alone to me like just your home front Without any extra family is probably pretty chaotic. But daggone, it's fun to watch kids, that, especially younger kids uh, around the holidays. It's just, uh, it is kind of a, a special, magical time. I, I really like that. And um, I saw a documentary that captured it very well, that was created by um, Will Farrell and Ryan Reynolds called Spirited and um mm. and it was it was quite good it was a yes. documentary done in a bit of a musical format they may have taken some artistic license yeah. with the uh you know reality but uh, uh i thought it was pretty accurate
0: good day <laughs> sir yes uh, uh, uh good afternoon i'm sorry good afternoon uh,
1: good afternoon was, good afternoon Yes. it was good. so uh, if you guys haven't watched that spirited cool. it was actually pretty cool i would i would check it out um i'm got i gotta believe it's like super discounted right now right just like christmas trees and christmas ornaments and things like that it's like christmas specials it's
0: That'd probably just like on that. netflix and you can just watch it yeah watch it for free but yeah if um I, my guess is you'll be like the one person watching it um if you watch it around the time this episode drops
1: uh, speaking of everybody's netflix, over I'll, being spirited Speaking of Netflix, I was shocked to read this morning that uh, Reed Hastings has stepped down as the co-CEO after 20 years plus of shaping the vision of Netflix. That was kind of interesting to see. Did you
0: see that? Yeah, I I saw it. I I didn't get to read any of the details about it. I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? I mean, he's been there for a while. I think you've got to acknowledge that Netflix is entering you know, a a different season as a lot of companies do, where it's no longer about kind of establishing what's the business model going to be and, you know, the vision of the company. I mean, it's pretty now set. It it kind of, this happens with a lot of companies and you sort of at this point need to bring in the bankers a little bit and just say, we're going to be a very profitable company. Uh, We saw it happen at Microsoft. Uh, Google is going through that right now. I'm kind of surprised Amazon. Um, I'm sorry, Facebook isn't, but same deal with Amazon, right? And so I'm not well, surprised. Is Zuckerberg kind of, kind of even um, thirty
1: yet? I mean, you know,
0: <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. He's just cruising for a bruising either way. I mean, he just seems like um, he can just take all the, the the beatings that come his way. I don't, I don't know if that makes him if he's going to go down in history as like the greatest CEO of all time or like just someone who is a, a just an utter masochist. But you got to respect it. But no, I'm not surprised that that Reed Hastings, you know, would step down, um, especially as just the climate and the environment. Like, if you've been doing this for a while, do you really want to go into another economic cycle like the one we're going through? Um, I don't know. I'm not surprised.
1: I, I would love, I know we didn't uh, schedule to talk about this today, but I, I would love to take a minute to talk about it. So if you think about some of the things that that you mentioned and, and I mentioned, so you've got Netflix, uh, one of the top tech companies, quite the visionary, uh, running that Reed, you know, Reed Hastings stepping down. You had, um, Gates stepped out years ago from Microsoft and, um, and, uh, some of the other folks that we mentioned as well, but you've also, you know, Bezos, right. Uh, you've also got people that are still in like Warren Buffett and, um, that are big, big, big personalities and, uh, Elon Musk big personality you mentioned zuckerberg as well and i think what people who are watching or listening might really enjoy is kind of thinking about how do you take the vision that you've got and transfer that into the culture of the company so that hopefully the culture survives because you have people like sarah blakely at Spanx that that was founder ceo tried to find somebody brought somebody in didn't work out came back in uh, you've got uh, Apple with jobs, let's professionalize and bring in Scully long ago, right? And then things didn't work out and he came back and rescued or uh, is it Howard Schultz uh, from Starbucks who handed over the reins for a few years and then had to come back and rescue the company. What do you think the difference is or or the essential qualities that the people that do this successfully to transfer kind of the the reins over and not have to come back in and rescue. What, have you ever thought about that? Cause I think it'd be kind of interesting to talk about. I think that like everybody who's an entrepreneur, I think has a dream of some future point where they've hit that number that they want or whatever, and they can, they can get their life back effectively. But how do you, how do you, set that up to happen. And we know that you, if you're going to sell your company, it's going to be worth a whole lot more if you can do that. Um, but you also see, we had a friend that we talked about that sold to a private equity company. The private equity company paid you know, a ton of money for the company. And then he came back in just basically two or three years later and bought it for, I think, a little over $200,000. Um, and that help happens frequently. I've, I've seen that a lot lately. What do you think... Is the thing that everybody who is here in the audience or the things that they should be thinking about to maintain a a true legacy of the vision that's created the success in their company?
0: I think it comes down to really uh, scaling decision making. Mm
1: Mm-hmm
0: if you're gonna sum it up and, and, and it's kind of, and, and I wanna make sure that, that we, we simplify this without being overly simplistic to the point that it's no longer accurate or helpful, because there's obviously, the answer is a lot, right? There's a lot that goes into it. Um, but I think that the, what we're really trying to pass down uh, as, as founders, uh, entrepreneurial leaders, what we would really like to have happen is for kind of the, the framework that, that, you know, we pass ideas and opportunities through our own framework, our own way of thinking, we would sort of like to leave that um, as an asset that others would also kind of pass it through this same framework and and these same filters for as long as it really becomes helpful. And I think very often we will leave values um, and we might even leave some semblance of what somebody might call a culture, whatever that really means. And there's lots of definitions of that, but what isn't left behind is a framework for decision-making. And so I know when we're working with founders board members, um, one of the last things that we do, because I think it's one of the most important things to automate is how do you automate and scale decision making? Cause I think at, you know, at the end of the day, companies are going to scale at the rate of good decisions. Yeah. Like period. That's companies going to scale at the rate of good decision making. And so the question that I think to ask is, well, how do good, how are good decisions made? And if as a leader, an entrepreneur, a founder, you have a company that's grown, it's probably because you've made pretty consistently good decisions. And when you've been wrong, you saw that it was wrong, ran it back through a decision filter and found that, 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 yeah, it wasn't, here's where I was off a little bit. Uh, And so I I believe you know, we teach, it comes down to four areas and I can kind of talk through all four of those if you want to. And, you know, maybe, maybe it'll help some folks out. You think that's good?
1: yeah let's do it in the context of launching a new product that we think will help us be competitive against some of the upstarts that are coming up that that might be a little bit of a threat to us that we've identified that we also want to be careful not to become a me too uh product like a just you know hey everybody's doing it let's do it so we end up in a race to the bottom let's do it in that framework so that maybe people can say you know okay well maybe i'm not launching a new product but i'm thinking about selling or i'm thinking about a key hire or i'm thinking about an investment in this or a redirect or something like that then we can give some context around the model and say how we would approach each of the aspects of it does that sound good
0: yeah i love it cuz i mean all these things i mean you're right whether it's making a key hire or should we pursue the strategic partnership should we launch this new division or product line all of these are the kinds of decisions that make and break companies you know should we update our branding even like there's some things like that so yeah so uh, i Let in me, my but, experience, and, and if you're, oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Before we start, I'd, I'd just like to say, because this is being recorded you know, relatively soon into the new year, we're coming up on February as we record this of 23, the like one thing that, that I look at as a pre-decision filter so that I know what I'm even going to focus on at all is what are the things that I no longer want to do? What are the things that worked well that I'm excited about and I think hold the biggest prospect for getting me closer to my ultimate things I want, my goals, and I double down on those. And then what are the things that I don't want to let go of because they are supporting me in moving towards the things I'm doubling down on? And I generally dial those back by 50%. So it's kind of a in, in, in the pre-decision sorting hat kind of uh way it's like these things i don't enjoy and they don't take me towards my goal uh or i enjoy and they don't and they don't take me towards my goal they're gone the things that i enjoy that are moving me towards my goals i'm doubling down on and then to free more time up i'm also going to cut in half the things that i don't want to let go but i would otherwise probably let go that are helping me support fund have the relationships, whatever, to support the doubling down. And so I think that can be a helpful starting point to just say, you know, where like I can take all these things and just move them out of the way. These things I'm going to shrink down a little bit and these things I'm going to expand on and then apply that filter to that. What, what are your thoughts about that?
0: Yeah. I mean, so when we're again, working with founders, board members, other clients to, to kind of map, we call it a clarity compass. And so if you want to visualize a compass with a North, a South an East and a West, for us, the North star, the, the North point is just, is it gonna get us closer to our three-year target? So what is what is our goal? What is our, what is our, our business objective? And I yeah. think this is so important uh, and it uh, aligns with everything you just said, right? If we do this thing, is it actually gonna move us closer to our stated goal and objective? What is the business case for doing it? So that's the first question you gotta ask, that's the North star. Now, a lot of people will say, oh no, your North star really should be, you know, your company purpose and the vision and your reason why. And I'm not saying that that isn't important, but if something could align perfectly to like your, your company purpose and mission, but if there's no business case for it, then you shouldn't do it, right? There's enough opportunities out there. So the first thing kind of the north is just what's our, you know, what's our, our three, for us a three-year target, but just what's your business goal that you want to achieve? That's kind of the first filter. Is it going to get us closer to that? If the answer is yes, then we're going to say, okay, does this align to our company purpose? And company purpose, I think that speaks a bit to what you were alluding to as well. So the company purpose could just be what really gets us excited in the morning. What makes us want to you know, jump out of bed? What is the kind of that galvanizing force, that, that thing that draws you know, talent to us, that, that excites our customer base, that gets us excited, that, that, that is more the customer case. So what we're balancing there is the business case and the customer case. And Mm -hmm. that's where it begins. And that's kind of that, that North South. And, and, you know, really your purpose should be pushing you towards your goal. But I think anytime we're evaluating just about anything, those are the two initial filters. Does it get us closer to what we want? Which incidentally assumes that you know what you want. So you have to do that. You have got to do the work of that. (laughs) Yeah. Totally different thing. And it also needs to assume that you've in some way codified your, your, your company purpose. You know, your Simon Sinek calls it your why. So let's assume that's there. Those are the first two filters. Now, that's pretty table stakes, right? That's pretty basic level stuff. Where companies get off the mark, especially when the the visionary founder leaves, is they either begin behaving in a way that no longer aligns with the company's core values. And and look, core values, everybody's heard about them. Most companies have them, but most of us don't use it as a framework for decision-making. And so a simple question to ask is, okay, great. Yep. We believe this is going to get us closer to our company goals. Uh, Yep. It aligns with our company purpose, but is this going to cause us to behave in a way that is, you know, outside of our values? And that doesn't necessarily have to mean that, um, that doesn't have to mean that you're like violating the law or doing anything immoral, but like, I know there's plenty of companies like take Southwest Airlines, which they've had their own fair share of issues as of this recording, but they had one of their values is fun right? So if they were going to take on a project, a key initiative, a new product line that wasn't fun at all, and there was no way to inject fun into it, there could be nothing immoral or unethical about it. But if it's not fun, or if it's not, you know, low cost, then it would be a violation of their values. And and so that's kind of the third filter. That's, we kind of plot that on the, you know, on the East side. And then West, and this is the part that everybody forgets about, us included. And when I think about when we've really screwed up, right? When we've, you know, taken on a project that was like, that was a bad call. It's when it uh, violated one of our strategic anchors. And strategic anchors are just kind of a fancy pants word for what are your competitive advantages, right? What is that set, that collection of actions and activities and resources that when combined, reinforce some true competitive advantage. These are the things that you're truly better at than your competition. And I think it's also important to know, what do you suck at? What are your anti-anchors? And so when businesses get off track, it's when they violate, and I've seen this happen more times than not. They're like, yep, it gets close to our goals. Yep. It aligns with our company purpose. Woo, we're excited. We're juiced. No issues with the values. Let's do it. And they don't ask the question, yeah, but are we playing to a known strength? or Are we, playing, are we potentially playing to a known weakness? That's the part that they don't consider. And and you see this, especially when founders leave and there's nobody there to say, hey, we don't actually know how to do that. Um, that's not actually baked into the DNA of what we do. And so it doesn't mean that you can't do that. It just means that you need to acknowledge that anchor doesn't exist. So we either need to develop it, which can happen through uh, training, through hiring the right consultants. Um, it can happen through hiring the right people or we can acquire it. Maybe we need to do an aqua hire. Maybe we just need to go out and buy it and acquire that, that component. But in my experience personally and watching our clients, when bad decisions get made and when companies start to kind of, you know, go down a little bit, it's because they violate one of those four areas. They either over index to the business case and forget the customer case. They over index to values and forget uh, strategic anchors or something in between. So yeah. we have anytime there's a meeting, these are all plotted for us on a worksheet, a single like one page worksheet, we call it a clarity compass. And at any meeting, anytime a question comes up, if somebody's like, should we do this? My question is always, have we run it through our clarity compass yet? Um, and we have a discussion about it. And when you have a team who is using that in making decisions as you would or better, because they've got your way of thinking and they also have their context, that's when I think it's safe to step away and you can do it with context. Uh, without that, I think it's really dangerous.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's. Uh, it, I remember the interviews with Steve Jobs talking about when he was stepping down and Tim Cook was coming in, and he um, he did it interestingly. Is it Eve's? I, I forget his last name. That was the designer guy that he worked with so much, but it was basically uh, Johnny Ive. I think it's it's. I think it's Ive, but I've also Ives heard it pronounced Eve's.
0: So yeah, so know.
1: he he had steve had really been the driving vision for the company and then passed it down to two people that he had been with for years and years and years who he had helped them to completely understand his clarity compass for apple and participate in in it to the extent that he would allow that because he was pretty pretty um direct guy and knew what he wanted Uh, But I thought it was, I I think that's a good example that we can use because when you have a tool like the Clarity Compass, and that is helping to document the process and really pull together some disparate things like values and goals and such, that then having the ability to transfer the documented process to the key people who are going to be the successors is so critical and i thought it was his example to me is really interesting because there wasn't one person that could do that because apple was is a combination of amazing style and design which is a completely different set of uh, personality traits than the person who is like i got the numbers and i've got the the um You know, I guess the more of the it's it's kind of a qualitative and quantitative side in that case. And so, um, for you guys that are thinking about how do I potentially step away from the company and hopefully not have to come back to it to rescue it, like so many people have, how do I make investments that are good and don't make the mistakes that private equity? makes pretty regularly where they make a big investment and then it's worth a fraction later and the founders come back and buy it back again, that having the process of A, documenting it like we do in the scalable operating system for our founders board people and such through Clarity Compass and some of the other tools there and pick the people who are aligned with the skills that you feel are going to be necessary and complementary to your Clarity Compass. Because if you don't have buy-in on your vision there, then from the people who are going to take over, they're going to get off course. And keep in mind that like it's the little tiny initial off courses that can have over time a significant variance from the place that you ultimately wanted to go. And so the buy-in, the documentation followed by the the careful selection of the people who have the character traits that will be complementary to the process and values followed by time investing in those people to bring them along and merge the clarity compass that you have created for the company with the values and experience of those other people and then a monitoring system to be sure that you stay on course because a compass keep in mind is always pointing in the direction uh, of North, ideally, right? So, what is it, tools wise, process wise, Ryan, that you think is best for helping people once they've got all those three things that we just talked about in place to stay on track? Well, so from a
0: practical thing, what we do, we're still doing quarterly sprint planning, you know, quarterly strategic planning. And so, once a quarter, I'm going to get, uh, you know, have a really good look at what are the things and the, the decisions that are being made, even if because uh, it, it's, it's at the quarterly sprint planning meetings where the the, the key initiatives, those main projects for that quarter are going to be selected. The theme is going to be selected. So it's pretty easy, even if I don't attend that meeting and I'm not sitting in the quarterly sprint plans of all of the businesses that are in our portfolio, but it's easy enough if I've got the Clarity Compass to know, did they actually use the Clarity Compass to inform these key initiatives? Or am I looking at and saying like, this key initiative does not align with the strategic anchor. You know, This key initiative, I'm really worried about it. So that's an easy way to do, to do it every 90 days. It's really though where it's gonna show up over time is in performance. It is going to show up over time in performance. Now you don't want it to get that bad, but at some point when you step away, you're not checking in every 90 days, you're know, you just not. But if you can see that the company is not growing as fast as it should, if it's no longer hitting its goals, that's almost always gonna have something to do with the decisions that are being made. And so to look at what decisions are being made, what are we doing and why? And then to just remind everybody, Are we going through this? That's where it's going to show up. It's going to show up in results. If you want to be more uh, proactive in the beginning while you're doing the handoff, because I love what you said, you don't hand this off to a one person. You're going to hand this off to a leadership team. And then what needs to happen is you're there leading the team. You're driving that in, and eventually you you might replace yourself with an operator or or bring in another CEO. You take what we call exit number three. Uh, You're exiting the org chart. You're sitting on the board, and so perhaps once a quarter. when you're doing your, your board meeting, you can evaluate results. And if you see that the results are off, ask what decisions were made or not made. And then if you find that they're actively referring to the clarity compass, you know, they're using it. If they're not, they're like, oh, we we felt like we needed to do it because the competition did it. That's, that's not how we make decisions here. We don't make decisions it's to keep up reacted. with the competition. <laughs> yeah. And it is the reason that a lot of companies get off track. That's it's so, why they, they're in reactive mode, not strategic mode. The Clarity Compass keeps it strategic.
1: So let's run now. You can assume the Clarity Compass of your choice, but let's look at the process now of the two people who are key members of the team have come to us and said, hey, there's a couple of people, there's a couple of companies that are doing some things that we think are going to be where the future is for our product or service, and we feel that it's a threat that we should address. We believe that we should launch some new products to compete with that. Now in that fact pattern, what do we do to actually be sure that that's the right decision?
0: Yeah, so I think step one is great, love it. Um, Is this going to get us closer to our company goals? Because our goal is not simply to just chase the competition or do what they do, you know we've established our own goals, and and our goals are going to be stated in terms of revenue, uh, profitability, and total enterprise value, right? So, from a numbers perspective, does doing this get us close to our goals? Um, yes or no? And and, and the so answer say, could be, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. It, it certainly. Yeah. Okay. Great. Amazing. Does it align with with our company's uh, stated purpose? So right. you know we've got. You know our company purpose is to you know have this you know to produce this result on behalf of our customers. and so the company purpose is always stated in a customer centric type way. So by implementing this, is it going to be
1: good for our customers? Is it something they want? So let's see how this would have worked for the blockbuster board when Netflix was upstarting and doing this direct mail dVD rental business, but we're in the retail store video cassette and DVDs aren't really a thing yet, but, um, but my goodness, there's a ton of demand for our, uh, our VHS tape rentals. We look at that and we say, well, these guys came, maybe, you know, it's like this upstart Reed, uh, uh, came to us and who works within our blockbuster company and said that, uh, there's these other people doing this, uh, this DVD thing and we should, we should do it too. If we do it, it could make us some money, way less money than we're making from our retail stores. How would we know, or could we, that that might be the right move?
0: So again, there's the business case. Do we feel this will drive growth? You know, Let's yes. assume the answer is yes, we did before. Now we're gonna go yep. to the customer case. And th- there lies, I think the problem that most businesses have and make, the, the, the mistake they make, is they define themselves by the way they sell their product or service not the people they sell. They either define themselves right. by the thing they sell or the way they sell it, not, not the who they serve. So if right. Blockbuster defines themselves as, we are a uh, retailer, like we are a retail, brick and mortar uh, renter of entertainment. Like that is what we do. We're not defining that's ourselves our business by the people we serve. We're defining, yep, our business model is we're retail. So th- they might say, well, no, it doesn't align with our model, right? Well, wait, wait, wait. that's not the question we're asking we're asking what's the customer case. And let's say that at Blockbuster, what we wanna provide is um, uh, the best entertainment uh, at the fairest price um, as conveniently as possible. Right. Now, I'm not saying that that was theirs, I don't know, but yeah. you could argue at one point in time that if you've got this multi-location model, I can be anywhere, um, You know, it's a safe, clean environment, then, and if that's what it is, I'd say this checks all those boxes at an even right. better level. Right. Not only sh- like should we do, I would argue we must do this because it aligns with our company purpose. It's the next phase of our company purpose. It's going to be hard. I don't know what this means for our retail, but again, we don't define our business by what we sell or the way we sell it. We define it by the by who we serve. And this is what they're going to want because this is the same. This is all those things, but better. So we got to talk about, yes, uh, it, it passes the, the second test. Right. right. It passes the yes test.
1: I'm sorry. We got the financial yep. uh, goal test. Then we have the values test, and then what else? Well, we got the Anything purpose or- test. So the business case and the customer
0: case. Now we've okay. got the values test. So is there any you know deviation from our core values? Again, I don't know Blockbusters what their core values were. Let's right. say one of them was innovation, um, yep. which a lot of companies are. Um, they'd be like, "Yep, this is innovating." I don't know if it is. Maybe the value. A lot was, of them say um, a few of them do. Consumer. <laughs> I know. Right. And so um, and, and I also believe that that value should should speak to behavior. Um, but that's a different kind of animal. So, so let's say it passes the values test. Um, then we go over to strategic anchors. Right. And it's like, what is Blockbuster strategic anchors? Well, let's say one of them is they've got deals with all the, the, the movie studios because they did. Right. right. They had direct deals with the movie studios. So they got access first. So that's one of them. Uh, the second one is, uh, their retail presence and footprint. Um, the third might be brand. Go all in all. And one thing that you won't find likely is, um, is rental by mail or any type of online right. streaming wasn't really a factor at this point. So let's keep it right. simple. So they might look at it and go, we got a real problem here, right? Because we don't know how to do this. It's not one of our strategic anchors, but. If you're a good leader, saying it doesn't fit does not mean an immediate no. Mm-hmm. Then you must ask, you need to ask the question, okay, what would need to be true for this to be a yes? Because it fits the other three. So it's a worthy endeavor, but we don't enter into it blindly. You're stupid yeah. to ignore it because you don't know how to do it, but you're also foolish to just dive into it headfirst because you think you should and you're just that noble and good, right? No. It passed the first three. It didn't pass the fourth. It's something we should do now. Can we? What must be true so that we're able to
1: do that? And I think looking back on it, the obvious answer was buy Netflix. Right. Which which they they had the opportunity to do and said no. As 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 it it was probably the obvious answer. Yeah. Yeah. So buy it. it. uh, That question to me is one of the most powerful questions that you can ask. The what would have to be true for this thing to to be a go I, I think that's really really powerful and it goes to uh one of the things that we'll talk about in another episode which is uh, how can i increase my business 400 percent? what would have to be true for me to be able to do that and those exercises and those hypotheticals can be very very powerful but um and and a question that could have saved potentially blockbuster from being relegated to i think they have a single store in alaska at some it may have even closed now but um i think they still that's, do that's pretty cool i i love this, uh, this line of thought around how do you create succession in your business that will be true to the legacy that you've created, but also be adaptive to the future. And so I like the framework of the Clarity Compass and the things we talked about today. We'd love to hear what you guys think about this stuff too. So if you want, you can uh, throw us a comment or uh, you can even, uh, Ryan, what is it? Is it businesslunch.com forward slash? It's businesslunchpodcast.com forward slash ask. Okay. We do, we do own businesslunch.com, uh, but for some reason we don't use that. So we'll have to work on that for you guys, but businesslunchpodcast.com forward slash (laughs) ask. And, um, we'd love to hear any questions you've got about this and we will answer those on another episode. And, um, I hope that this was helpful for you guys. If you found this helpful, would love for you to share it with a friend and say, you know, Hey, uh, I know that you own a business or you've been talking about these challenges potentially of succession or uh, you're thinking about maybe you'd like to have a higher quality of life and get more time with the family or to pursue other goals or another shiny object that you want to chase, which is probably the most likely for an entrepreneur. And um, I, I, I listened to this really cool podcast that, uh, where they talked about it. So if that's something that you found was helpful for you, let us know, tell a friend, and we appreciate you sharing this time with us on Business Lunch, and we'll see you next time.